Welcome to the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, a podcast we are seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We are also here as a platform for leaders to come together, to unite, to develop, and empower other leaders in the areas of business, family, and community. I am your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Tom Ziegler. Put those hands together, put those clap emojis in the comment section, make our special guest feel right at home. Tom Ziegler has joined us to have a special conversation about how to build a legacy business that keeps growing. Just a little bit about Tom Ziegler. He is the son of Zig Ziegler. He is the CEO of Zig Ziegler Corporation. Tom carries on the Ziegler philosophy. You can have anything in life you want if you will just help enough people get what they want. Tom travels the world teaching leadership and business lessons to billion-dollar corporations, small businesses, and academic institutions. He is also the author and co-author of several books, including Born to Win, The Secrets of Closing the Sale, Choose to Win, and his latest book, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times, Coaching Your Team Through Immense Change and Challenge. Today, he has joined us right here on the Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast. Tom? Thanks for coming on. All right, Lafayette, John, man, this is good stuff. I'm excited to be here today. Absolutely. Well, Tom, let's get right into the conversation. Man, just reading your bio, there was some gems, right? Just right in the bio right there that we can get right into. But we're talking tonight about how to build a legacy business that keeps growing. And you come from a rich heritage, a rich legacy. And we're talking about how to build a legacy business, right? But I want to ask you, what does that word legacy mean to you? Well, um, you know, there's so many great definitions of legacy. Um, Mark Batterson said, an inheritance is what you leave to someone. A legacy is what you leave in someone. Mm. So to me, legacy is when we teach and transfer uh, the knowledge, the wisdom, the habits that allow who, who we're transferring it to to make good decisions that will ripple through eternity. You know, it's like we, we, we've got people in our business that, that we want to grow up and develop, and we want them to go on and make great decisions. We've got our kids and our family and our community. We want to teach them how to make great decisions so they can carry on when we're called home. So to me, that's what legacy is. It's that thing that ripples on after we're gone, and we want it to be a legacy by design, not by chance. Mm. A legacy by design, not by chance. So that speaks to intentionality then, to the intention, to the intent of purpose of the leader, right? So how does a leader create that into those that are following them, that pattern that you're talking about, that sticks with them, that creates that legacy that continues on to those that are following the head leader? Yeah, and you're 100%. It's got to be intentional. And the idea is is really simple. Uh, Everybody has to dig into and discover their why, their purpose, what it is, you know, why are they in this thing called life? Uh, When you ask most people, you know, why do you do what you do? They kind of shrug their shoulders. Well, I got rent to pay, you know, but wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's got to be more than that. And and that's what's going on in our world today. You know, two years ago, this thing called the pandemic hit and we lost loved ones. And 
I mean, right. A lot of people lost their jobs. Their world got turned upside down and they had to go home and start thinking about what really mattered. And really? so to me, you know, the new, the new word that's out there is the great resignation. People are quitting. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and everybody's up in arms and I've, I've got a Ziegler spin on it. I call it the great reimagination. Uh, so as business owners and business leaders, we get to reimagine what we want the future to be, but it's all got to start with the why and the purpose. Yeah. Right? It's got to start with, you know, when it gets tough, when it gets hard, when we got to show some grit, when, when things don't go our way, when the world changes, the why's got to be so big that we just love it, right? We love the disruption because it gives us the yeah. edge. Mm. Yo, go ahead, bro. So what advice would you have then for somebody who says, okay, they, they're, they're, they look at the, the same, they're, they're part of that crew who right now is part of the great resignation. And by, by that, I think there's a large group of people who have said, why am I, why am I doing what I've done for the last 10 years? Or as in your book, you call them the golden handcuffs. You said basic and the, basically the, I don't remember the exact phrase, but you allude to in the book um, that, that we, you just wrote that most people have given have self handcuffed themselves by essentially being too comfortable in their careers and their paychecks mm. and their annual raises that they've handcuffed themselves to where they will no, they will cannot step foot they cannot step into their purpose they cannot step into the calling that God has created them to take on because they're too too comfortable in their comfort zone with their biweekly paychecks and their salary and their whatever else you know no. um, and so how does somebody find that why then? so they can step into the uh, great imagination. Like yeah. The why that's so big. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's the, that's the big question. So here's the challenge with the great resignation. Um, people, there's been battlefield promotions everywhere. And so mm-hmm. you can, if you're not happy where you are, if it's not ringing your bell, if it doesn't, you know, if the leadership and the organization isn't what you want, you can probably look around and and get a nice pay increase somewhere else. The problem is, is you're going to take your same self to go work for the same kind of leader. And all you've you've done is change the decor in the office or wherever you're working. And you're just as miserable as you were before. And so you got to dig in a little bit and you got to say, okay, why am I here? What's, you know, what's important to me? What really matters? Uh, my personal mission statement, I think everybody should have a mission, right? So my personal mission statement is simply this, to create the atmosphere that allows you to become the person that God created you to become, Yeah. right? And, and so one question is, well, who did God create me to become? You know, what's the reason behind it? And there's, there's, there's a, I have this little... Gosh, on a podcast, it's kind of fun to describe a Venn diagram, but it's like, you know, it's one of those diagrams where the three circles and they intersect in the middle. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So the first one is uh, what makes your heart sing? Like mm-hmm. if there's if there's anything you could do, what is it that you do it? And it seems like 10 minutes, but it's been four hours. Mm. And then the second circle is 
gosh, what kind of problems do people bring you? Like your friends, your coworkers, the people you've done some life with, they keep asking you certain types of problems. Uh, questions on those problems dig into that because that's a clue maybe that's where you have a gift or a talent right and then the third is what's the biggest challenge or obstacle you've overcome you know maybe you were born into a rough start uh broken home and and you know the economic situation wasn't really good or maybe you had a health crisis or Maybe a little bit later in life, you made some bad choices and got to deal with those consequences, but you overcame that. And so you've learned a lot, right? Well, where those three things intersect, that's a good place to kind of figure out what your why is, what your purpose. Because to me, you know, the greatest joy in the world is helping someone else be, do, or have more than they thought possible. So if you can figure out how to leverage your skills, your gifts, your talents, your experience with something that you love, right? That makes your heart sing. I believe the creator put that in you, mm-hmm. right? And then if you've, if you've overcome some obstacles or made some mistakes and overcome those along the way, other people are suffering and struggling a little bit, you know, slower on the journey that you can help them. And if you can put those three things together, that's a great place to start. It seems like uh, much of what you said is also about changing your perspective because you talked about that word disruptive and disruptive times, which we know we definitely are in. But I think a lot of people have allowed the disruption to disrupt their progress, to put a paralyzed paralysis on their potential, put a paralysis on their purpose instead of allowing it to push them forward like you're suggesting that the disruption is a part of the element that plays a part in your purpose of moving forward. How does one change their perspective and their mindset that the disruption is actually a part of the process of moving me forward, not holding me back? Yeah, I tell you, uh, I'll give a couple of sports uh, examples. Uh, I'm, I was, I'm a golfer. I used to be a golfer. And so following Tom Watson when I was growing up, he was, you know, an amazing champion and he, he won five British opens. And for those of you who don't follow golf, the British open, it's known for one thing, really bad weather. I mean, it rains sideways, it's cold. Uh, and they asked him cause that's a major championship and he won five mm. and almost nobody it's, it's rare for you to even win one in a career. Uh, and they said, how, how do you do so well? And he said, well, the weather's bad. And they said, what do you mean? And he said, well, in a normal tournament, if I'm playing good, I've only got to compete against 10 or 15, maybe 20 other pros who are playing good. But when the weather's bad, I've only got to compete against five because everybody gets disrupted, right? Everybody gets taken out of their game because the conditions are bad. And so he prays for rain. And I think – as leaders, we pray for rain because if we embrace the disruption, uh, it's, it's the story of the two hikers in the woods. You know, they're, they're sitting down, they're getting ready to eat. They've got their boots off and the bear charges in. And the first hiker says, run, the bear's going to eat us. And the second hiker reaches down and he's putting his shoes on and tying them as fast as he can. And the, and the first hiker says, what are you putting your shoes on? We got to outrun the bear. And the second hiker says, no, we don't. I just got to outrun you. And that's, I know that's pretty lame, but 
that's that's the way it is right now. There's yeah. so much opportunity. Um, business really exists to solve problems for the people we serve. And if you're in a business that solves other people's problems, then the creator of the universe smiles when he helps out one of his children, right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. And when times get tough, a lot of people sit down, like you said, they get paralyzed. But if we stand up and say, this is it, this is our time, right? This is where we win. This is where there are more people than ever who need our solution. We're going to go out there and make a difference and serve people in a different way, in a unique way. That's how disruption, that's the mindset shift, right? And so if we're a fixed mindset, if we're all about results, then, then we get hyper-focused on the way we've always done it. And when the world changes, we're stuck. But if we're focused on growth and how much we can learn and how we can innovate and create and collaborate and work together because our advantage is the growth, then there's always going to be opportunity for us. Hmm. Can you, uh, if you don't mind, I would love to. So I used to read, your dad's book, See You at the Top. It was one of the probably first four or five books that I'd ever read when I got into self-help. Um, the first book was a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The second one was called Who Moved My Cheese, which a, a 10-year-old could read in about 30 minutes. But I was new. I was new in the self-help thing. And then right after that, somewhere real close to that, I read someone gave me See You at the Top. And that's the first time I ever heard of Zig. And um, I have the book still today. It's It's... I know he's written a bunch of them, but I would imagine that's probably one of his most famous books. Um, since we're talking about legacy, building a legacy business, can you take us back? Because I'm sure everybody wants to know, what was it like living in a house with Zig, your dad? Yeah. <laughs> well, when you started naming off those books, uh, I'll just take you back to the story. So, gosh, this story is probably... I just started at the company. So this is like at least 30 years ago, maybe 25. So I get a call from dad and he's in the, he's in a car. He's just spoken for a big company and he's in the back seat and he says, Hey, I want you to meet somebody. This guy's going to do good stuff. And it was, it was uh, Robert Kiyosaki with, uh, with <laughs> dad, poor dad. And then a little later they sent yeah. over the, like a prototype of the cash flow game. So yeah. So one of the cool things uh, is I got to meet all these amazing people. Uh, and even cooler than that, they were all telling me the same thing. Golly, your dad, he's the reason I do what I do. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's like, it, it's everywhere in the world I go and speak today or it's like people know my dad, right. They know it's like, I'm already family. Uh, every room I go to, there's family members out there. We just hadn't met yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's really, really cool. And so growing up in this legacy, you know, one of the things that dad told my sisters was, hey, I don't care what you do. You know, he didn't have pressure to say you need to be a speaker or you need to go in sales. He always said, look, whatever you do, do it with 100 percent integrity and 100 percent effort. <sighs> Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, as parents, uh, isn't that a great kind of mm -hmm. guideline? I'm going to support you. 
I'm going to ask you the questions to draw out the gifts and talents you have. And when you get in something, you go 100% and you do it with all the integrity you've got, right? I mean, that's that's cool. So that's what it's been like uh, when dad passed away, uh, which is nine years ago now. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, how are you doing? And I said, well, this legacy, it's kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. And he looked at me and he said this. He said, well, he said two things. First off, your dad walked his talk and he was a really good talker. Right. Because of his speaking. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and by the way, your dad's legacy is secure. Now you have to focus on your own legacy. Mm. <clears throat> right. And that is something that most people don't realize until later in life. But I don't care if you're 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, you've got your own legacy to build. You might as well start now and it might as well make a difference. Right. Cause we're all going to be here anyway. So what are you going to do intentionally to do that? And so those words kind of, and when I hear something in my head, you know, it's dad's voice and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty cool, but that's, that's what it was like growing up as good as dad was on stage. He was even better off stage. <clears throat> Just mm-hmm. amazing. Well, I'd read in your book that he, you guys had routine family dinners and so forth things that we all probably get away from sometimes is that family dinner time, which I've, I've implemented and then we've gotten away in my house and I've re-implemented and we've been pretty steady about doing that lately to have that time with my kids. So I'm a, I'm a dad. I have two, I have two kids, Andrew, who's 10 and Lily, who's seven. And I read something as a Will Smith quote. And he had said that parenting is like gardening. Um, as the gardener, you don't tell the plant what it is supposed to be. God has already created what it's supposed to be. Your, your, your job is to give it the environment to grow and flourish into what it was born or created to become. So how, and you alluded to your father did not expect you to be a speaker or anything like that, but I got to know, is there anything special that he did to kind of create that environment for you and your, and your siblings to grow into what you've become today? It was just a constant, um, belief of speaking truth and life into us. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you an experience. When I was 16, uh, I wanted, I, I got a job at the mall because being 56, 40 years ago, that's where every kid went to work was the mall. I mean, you can just watch the movies from the eighties and the all the teenage movies are at the mall. So I go to this, uh, place called the athlete's foot and they sold, uh, Shoe, you know, athletic shoes. And I go in and I get the job application and I bring it home and I'm like, dad, they're never going to hire me. I've never had a job before. Okay. So <laughs> not knowing at all that the malls want to hire kids like me, you've never had a job because right. we're the only ones who are going to work for nothing. Right. So. <laughs> So he looks at me and he says, oh, yeah, you have. Write this down. You've had 16 years of being persistent and disciplined and on time and, and creative and being honest. And he started repeating back all these character qualities that he had brought me up on. And dad was real big on this. He he wouldn't praise us 
uh, overly on the things that we didn't have control of. Right. So some kids are, they're just born smart, right? School's easy. Some kids are born, you know, they, they naturally tall, naturally athletic, right? There's all kinds of gifts that we have. So, but what he would praise me on is the effort that I put in or the courage I displayed or the extra effort, all the things I could control. And of course we live in a social media world. So we're always comparing ourselves to other people, especially our kids. And so they compare how they look to how somebody else looks. Can't control that. I mean, you can be, you know, properly attired and clean, but our looks are our looks, man. It's what we got. But what is it that we can control that we can work on? And that's, that's really what it's about is, is dad, helped us to understand that we have these gifts. We, we have this purpose in front of us. And dad's definition of success was really simple. Success is the max uh, is the um, success of the maximization of the abilities, the, the maximizing of the abilities that God gave you. So we, we maximize our gifts and that's the definition of success. Absolutely. Tom, I've got to ask you about this quote that I read in your bio. Um, I, I read it before reading it tonight, but it just hit me again. And I just want you to unpack it for me. You said you can have anything in life you want if you will just help enough people get what they want. Unpack that for us. Yeah. So that sounds really familiar. It's uh, similar to the golden rule, uh, you know. Love thy neighbor as thyself is another way to look at that. So you can have everything in life you want. So what do you want in life? And this is a, I, I kind of have a story. And as a, as a, as a preacher, you may, you may resonate. You may have heard this story. Uh, okay. Have you ever heard the difference between heaven and hell? And it's the banquet table and the banquet table is just loaded up with the best food you've ever seen. And your whole family, all of humanity is, is sitting at the table and you look and it's everything you've ever wanted to eat. And your appetite's just going through the roof and you can't wait to dig in. And you look down at your hands and you have a knife and a fork that are duct taped to your hands. And the knife and the fork are both three feet long. And so you start to cut the food and you're trying to get that into your mouth, but you can't because the fork is too long. And so in hell, everybody's trying to feed themselves. Mm. And, in and in heaven, everybody's feeding the person across from them. <laughs> and with all this disruption and this great reimagination and everybody understanding what's really important in putting their faith and their family and all these values ahead of the things that aren't as important, there's, we're either going to try to feed ourselves and starve or we're going to go serve our fellow human being uh, and, and feed them. And when we feed them, when we help them get what they want, then we're going to get everything in life that we want. And I, and I think we're really at a, at a turning point right now. It's, it, to me, it's very exciting. Uh, I don't like the sickness uh, that's going on, but I love the fact that people are understanding there's something bigger out there, something that's that, that they need to dedicate themselves to so they can make a difference 
And if you're in leadership, <laughs> how do you win as a leader? You help your people succeed. And when your team succeeds, guess what happens? Dad's quote is, if you're irreplaceable, you're unpromotable. Hmm. So your job as a leader is to, is to equip and develop everybody on your team so they can do what you do better than you do. And when that happens, you get promoted. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's kind of That's an awesome so good. thing. That is. It's so good and so true because there's so many people who get one notch up from where they started and then they hold on to it. And they never let go because that's theirs. And they don't want to train anybody because they don't want them to take their spot. I call it. I have a name for those leaders. They're called T-Rex leaders. They've got got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, right? They've got sharp teeth and short arms because they like to hold everything close. Mm. They're command and control. Do it because I said so. And they're going extinct. You can't lead people over a camera. (laughs) With that kind of a, you can't, what doesn't work. That's right. Yeah. I guess you can make the argument that they're really not leading anybody, right? They're just trying to be the best at their their one role. Absolutely. Mm. In your book, you had, uh, you kind of grouped it into three sections. You put uh, with with virtues within each one. They were, the sections were, who do we need need to be, obviously, which is, incredibly important how do we um how do we need to be and what needs to be done now i think i I said all those properly and one of them caught my attention and it was in that first section that said who do we need to be because i personally have always focused on who do i need to be to to go to the next level or to help the next person better or to whatever be the better father and stuff the reason i think it's important is because so many people focus so much and pointing fingers on I didn't get there because of this or that situation or that person or the pandemic or whatever I didn't have time that's my favorite one so instead of focusing on okay what is it about me that needs to to change or become better I don't really like change too much because I think that almost insinuates that you're not good enough but I think upgrade or you know get better improve would be a good word you don't have to be someone different you have to be better but anyways, you had a virtue two is called selflessness. And one of the sections was called understand and foster dream alignment. Could you, could you talk about that? I thought it was really, really fascinating. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you a coach leadership model that shows you what dream alignment is. But first I got to tell the story about how to catch a unicorn. Yeah. Because everybody wants to know how to catch a unicorn. Definitely. My daughter would love to. Yeah. yeah so I was coaching this uh, <laughs> young guy. He was, Johnny's probably your age. He's about mid thirties, little, and uh, he's multimillionaire in real estate. And he says, uh, I think I, I want to get married, but I think I need to start dating first. <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah, that's usually how it works. And then he, confessed that he hadn't dated since he was a teenager he's like totally consumed with building this empire and i said uh okay well great so tell me about the person you want to marry okay and so guys ladies we all know we got the list right so (laughs) out comes the list and he 
you know, good looking, sense of humor, smart, uh, easy to talk to, you know, hardworking, you know, adventure. He had the whole list, right? And then he looks at me and he says, I think I just described a unicorn. They don't exist, do they? And I said, I don't know, do they? And then he said, how do you catch a unicorn? And I said, that's the easy part. I said, it's, well, it's not easy, but it's easy. And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, well, <laughs> the way you catch a unicorn is you become a unicorn. Mm. You listed all those qualities that you want. What kind of person would attract somebody with those qualities? And so that's really kind of a story that that first section kind of embodies. We got to become the person that it's going to attract top performers on our team. That's going to attract friends that have the same mindset and the same view of life that, that we want, you know, we want to, we want to go up and grow up with those around us. We yeah. want to bring as many people as we can with us. So there's a thing called dream alignment. And I'm going to kind of give everybody a, a, the coach leadership model. And there's two words that are going on right now. And the, the words are people want autonomy, right? The world, everybody wants to do what they want to do, when they want to do, how they want to do it. <laughs> but then there's business, right? And if you're in business, if you're a leader, you've got authority. So we've got this <laughs> friction between autonomy and authority. Right. And I, I say this, I say coach leaders choreographed the dance between autonomy and authority. Well, on the autonomy side, let's just call that the team member side. People who go to work somewhere. There's two types of team members. There are purpose driven team members and they're pleasure driven team members. So purpose driven this is the top performer. They're going to work somewhere. They've got a bigger dream, a bigger goal. They're on a mission. Uh, the reason they want to do well in their career or in their business or whatever they're doing is because it's going to serve a much bigger purpose. They literally every week say, I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. Right. They're on this road. Well, the other side is what we call the pleasure driven team members and pleasure driven it's about how they feel. If they don't feel like going in, they might call in sick. Right? If they feel like checking social media or taking a few minutes off or putting something procrastinating, that's what they're going to do. And we call them at Ziggler. We call those people zombies. Okay. They're, the technical term is they're disengaged, right? They see, they see no connection between what they do every day and getting their dreams. They don't see how their work helps them get closer to their dream. But this is what I know. Dreams take time and money, right? But there's zombies. They've got a brain disease. They didn't even, they don't even know how to dream. So on the other side, on the authority side, we have two types of leaders. We have accountability leaders and we have control leaders. Now control leaders are already, Describe that's the T Rex, right? Yeah, micromanage, do it because I said so. Policies and procedures, rules, it's all about results, it's not about relationship. It's you know, short arms and sharp teeth, they lead from fear, 
Wow. Right. And they like to control people. And then the accountability leader is what I call the coach leader. And the coach leader does this. What they do is they go to their team members and they say, hey, Lafayette, what's your dream, man? What's your goal? John, what, why are you here? What, what is it you want to accomplish? And they keep asking you the question. And, and, and you might say something like, man, I want to. I want to start my own business someday, or I want to get out of debt, or I want to buy a house, or I want to, you know, whatever that is. And then the coach leader says, hey, uh, let me help you. Uh, Gosh, I'd love to help you get that dream. Well, how's that? Well, have you noticed that the better you do in your job, the the more money you make and dreams take time and money. So the better you do, the faster you get it. Yeah, I want to help you get your dream. And by the way, the company has a dream too. The company has a vision and virtue. And when we solve a lot of problems, when we do our job well, the company grows, we make more profit. And, you know, if we make more profit and you're a reason we make more profit, I can pay you more money. Does that sound fair? Hmm. Yeah. So I tell you what, if if you help the company reach its goals and dreams, I'll help you reach yours. That's the dream alignment. And so it was out of an interview that I heard Doc Rivers give. They, they asked him, they said, he's, he's like considered one of the greatest communicators in the NBA. I mean, he, he, Absolutely. Can, he can really uh, motivate people who make more money than he does, right? <laughs> so that's a, that's a gift. And they said, uh, how do you do it? And he said, I'll just meet with them one-on-one. And said, well, what do you say? He said, well, before the season, I sit down with him and I say, uh, what do you want to accomplish this year? What is, what's your goal? And he said, now in the NBA, when you got an athlete, they, their agent has negotiated a contract and that contract has all these bonus clauses like so many minutes, so many points, so many rebounds, so many whatever position they're in, right? And if they make the all-star team, they get a bonus if they make all these different things, right? And so he says, I let them talk. I let them tell me what they want. And then at the end, I ask him a question. And I look at him and I say, hey, is it okay if I hold you accountable to your goals? And you see, that's ownership. That's what a coach leader does. The coach leader helps the person on their team create a plan, a goal, to reach their dreams and then ask them, is it okay if I hold you accountable to your goal? And so when we're held accountable to what we've created, we got ownership. There's a lot more follow through. There's that, the why is behind it, right? The dream is there and that dream alignment happens. And so that, then we go back to the two words. Remember the two words? The words were uh, autonomy and authority. Authority. So a coach leader's job is to support, equip, develop, inspire, encourage, and support their team member so much for the sole purpose of giving them as much autonomy as possible. We want Navy SEALs on our team. We want to say, hey, here's the mission. What do you need? Right? That's that's who we want on our team. And then a top performer 
when they understand that they've got a real coach leader who's gunning for them, who's, you know, who's got their back, who's providing for the support, who's helping them grow, a top performer will come to that coach leader. And you see it all the time, great athletes and coaches, and they have that relationship. That top performer will go and they'll say, hey, I'm grateful for your, you know, for how you, how you help me grow. Will you hold me accountable? So you see there, the, top, the, the coach leader is given autonomy and the top performer is asking for accountability. And that's, that's sitting at the, at the banquet table right now, right? That's the world that we're in. We can try to feed ourselves and demand autonomy and, and we're going to go hungry. Or we can feed the person across from us and ask for accountability and support those. Now, there's something else in that diagram, right? Because we remember we've got autonomy and authority and we've got purpose-driven and pleasure on the team member side, the zombie, right? And then we've got the coach leader and the T-Rex, which is all about control. Well, zombies and T-Rexes, they have alignment too. And that alignment is called money alignment. Now, the money alignment works this way. A zombie wants to do as little work as possible and still get paid. <laughs> and a T-Rex wants to pay as little as possible and still get the job done. So you see the difference between aligning on money versus aligning on dreams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's the opportunity we have now. It's the great reimagination. Let's get dream alignment back in our, in our work. Do you have a t- tip on, um, I've, I've, I, in my previous, uh, career, I had managed a small team and I would sit down with them monthly and I always talk about their goals. What do you want? Sort that sort of thing. But at the hard part was, sometimes identifying what they really wanted versus what they wanted me to hear. For example, everybody would say, I want to get a promotion. Like I want to be a supervisor or a manager or whatever that would be the next step. And my question was always like, well, why? Cause do they really want that? Cause it might not be as fun as they think. And honestly, the pay probably isn't as high as they assumed and that kind of thing. So do you have any tips for how does, how does somebody listening who's in that similar position, I help identify what is that person's real dreams and how I can help them get it versus what they kind of want to hear me say, because I was talking to my son today in the car talking about what things he wanted. And at first he was rambling off things. I think he wanted me to say, like, I want to be a great lacrosse player and things like that. And I thought, son, what do you want? It's not about what I want. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you know, that is, this is a challenge. Um, because if it depends on the relationship we have with that person on the team, mm. okay. if they're brand new and if it's, uh, and if they have an experience or a background where trust takes some time, uh, maybe they've been hurt before, maybe they've been told the line and it doesn't matter, right? They don't, they don't get rewarded in relationship to their energy and effort and, and results, uh, their output or outcome then they're going to be hesitant. And so what I like to do is walk in with the, so in, in coach leadership, there's three things that you've got to do. Okay. We've already talked about the first one, which is the mindset. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's the most important. If you don't have the mindset, you're going to struggle. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it's the most important, but it goes hand in hand. You can't do the other two without it, right? The second is the 10 virtues. You got to live out the 10 virtues. People, people talk all the time about, hey, you need to love your people. Well, how? Right. <laughs> you can't read our minds. Right. You know, somebody on your team, in your head, you're like, I really love that guy. You know, and it's like, they don't know that. What have you done for them? And so these 10 virtues of being selfless and kindness and the things that we talk about in the book, when you demonstrate that in a meeting or in a conversation or in how you recognize them for something they've done, that's how you walk it out. And then the third step is what you're asking about, John. And that's, that's how you have to have an intentional coaching conversation around a coaching process. And here it is. This is real simple. And we don't have all day, but I can give it to you in like two minutes. Somebody on your team, you bring them in. You say, hey, man, 2021, what a year. I mean, look at all. (laughs) You over, you really put in the extra with all that stress and all the, you know, what's going to happen. And, hey, I just want to appreciate you for hanging in and with all the change and disruption. So in 2022, I just got a question. Uh, do you want to make more money, less money, or the same money? Mm-hmm. What are people going to say? More money. <laughs> they better. If they're not, they're lying. I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? That's fantastic. I tell you what, I want to pay you more money. And if we're profitable and we're profitable because of your contribution and what you've done, you're going to make more money. Does that sound fair? Well, yeah, it is. If somebody on your team's helping your business be successful and in, in, in improving the bottom line because of their contribution, it's only fair you pay them more money, right? That's right. And so then you get into it. <clears throat> okay, you want to make more money. Why do you want to make more money? Oh, well, and I'll just give a story. We were working with a client and we were selling a project and sales training. And we asked the VP of sales, hey, if we put this in, what's your goal? And he said, well, I want to see a 10% increase in sales, right? Because they were going to invest in sales training. And so his result is he wanted a 10% increase in revenue. And I said, great. Uh, Why is that important? And he said, well, We'll all make our bonuses and we'll keep our jobs. And I go, well, why is that important? He says, then we'll be able to do it again next year. And I said, why is that important? Well, if we do it again next year and we grow another 10%, he said, I'll be able to pay off my debt. And I said, why is that important? And he said, well, if we pay off our debt, I can build the lake house I've always wanted. And I said, why is that important? And then everything changed. Hmm. He said, well, because then my grandkids will come and play with me at the lake house. It's got peeled back the layers. And so that's the why behind the why behind the why behind the why. Mm -hmm. And so when they say, I want to make more money, and then you ask them why, you might not be able to ask five questions in a row, right? They might just say, because I got some debt I got to pay. I got a credit card and, you know, or I'm – I want to get engaged or, you know, whatever you, you, you take it, right. You run with that. Well, fantastic. So here are the three things that 
the equal performance. Attitude times effort times skill equals performance. So you look at somebody's job, whatever they do, I'll just use a, uh, an air conditioning HVAC technician. So imagine, because that's what I talk about in the book, this is the guy that goes, when the air conditioner goes out, they show up at the house, it's 100 degrees in the house, they go in the attic, they fix the air conditioner, right? And the homeowner's like petrified, how much is this going to cost? So we're talking about this guy's job, right? So you, so the, the coach leader would say, um, so you're, you know, you go in and you fix air conditionings for our company. Um, what attitude do you need to display in order to make more money? And they'll go, well, I don't know what you mean. Right. Cause they're, Oh, well, so when you show up at a homeowner's uh, house and it's 100 degrees inside and you knock on the door, how's that homeowner feeling when they open the door? Oh, well, they're nervous and they're hot and they're cranky and they didn't get any sleep because, of course, it went out at 11 o'clock at night. And they're wondering how much it's going to cost and they're wondering if they can trust us and they're wondering, you know, is this guy a convicted felon and not the air conditioning guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> Okay, great. So when you're done with the job, how do you want them to be feeling when you're done? Oh, gosh, I want them to trust us. I want them, I want the air conditioner to be fixed. I want them to be like really happy that it didn't cost as much as they thought. And I want them to give us referrals so that we can call on their friends and neighbors. Well, great. So tell me what attitudes can you display that will move them from how they felt when you knocked on the door to how you want them to feel when they leave. Well, now they start thinking, oh, well, I could be there five minutes early. That gives them confidence. Mm. I could look them in the eye and, and get show them my ID and say, hey, I'm with XYZ. You called. We're here for the air conditioning. I've got the whole report. Do you mind if I go over it with you really quickly to make sure we're here for the right reason? That's going to build confidence. And then I can show them, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do A, B, C, and D. We're not going to start any work until we go over the whole thing with you and you prove everything along the way. Hopefully, we can take care of this quickly. But if we can't, we're going to stay here until it's fixed. Does that sound fair? Right? So now they're talking. They know they're talking to a professional. These are all attitudes, right? So I can display an attitude with some energy and some welcoming, and that'll that'll help me get a better review from this client. And if they put it on Google reviews or something like that, that might get us more business. That'll make us more money. Right. So that's how attitude that that person has control over. So you ask the same question for effort. Well, what kind of effort can you do in your job that would help you make more money? Oh, I could make sure my truck is completely stocked with everything I need so I can handle this job as quickly as possible. Hmm. Right. Well, what kind of skill? This is the third question. What kind of skill could you display that would help you to make more money? Oh, I could I could check out all the other things in, in, in their house that we could help with. And if it doesn't cost them any, I could I could just fix it right then. I could clean stuff up. I could take pictures of it. I could show it. And so all of a sudden the coach leader, instead of telling them what their job is and how to do it, the coach leader is asking them just like Doc Rivers did, 
hey, how can you hit those goals? <laughs> no. And then, like Doc Rivers, if a player's in a slump or they're not feeling so good, they're off their game a little bit, they're kind of loafing in practice, he can just come up beside them in a quiet moment and just kind of yeah. elbow them and say, hey, you still want me to hold you accountable to your goals? <laughs> that's motivating in the right ways. Well, that's the that's kind of how you you find out the why, right? You you and, and you have to build on it. A lot of people don't know how to dream, and coach leaders are fantastic at helping somebody start to dream. And the reason they don't dream is nobody's ever taught them how to reach their dreams. Right. They've never been shown. A, they've never had somebody come alongside them and say, hey, if you do these three things, your performance is going to go up. We're going to pay you more. And when you get paid more and you learn these skills, that means you can get promoted. And, and, you, and maybe someday you want to run your own business. And you got to learn all these steps in order to coach people on your own team someday. So if your dream is that, let's do it. Listen, we want you to support Tom's latest release, his new book, as John has been highlighting all episode, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times. There it is. John is showing it right there. Coaching your team through immense change and challenge. Stop right now. Go. I'm sure it's available on all platforms from Amazon where you can buy books, Barnes and Nobles. Walmart, Target, go out and buy that. And do listen, this is the, the season of still giving. Buy a copy for your family member. Buy a copy for your coworker, someone that's on your team. Those of you that are leaders, buy that book for your entire leadership team. We want you to support that. 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times, Coaching Your Team Through Immense Change and Challenge. We also want you to stay connected with Tom via social media on Instagram at the Zig Ziggler and also on LinkedIn, uh, Tom Ziggler. That is Tom Ziggler there uh, on LinkedIn, Tom Ziggler. You can find him there on LinkedIn there, T-O-M-Z-I-G-L-A-R on LinkedIn. Stay connected here to us here on Unscripted at Unscripted Leadership on all social media platforms. Check us out on our website, unscripted-leadership.com. And of course, download and listen to this episode that will be available on all streaming platforms. Again, we say thank you to our amazing featured special guest today, Tom Ziegler, who had an amazing conversation with us about how to build a legacy business that keeps growing. As always, we pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. We're here to build bridges and not walls. Bridges connect, walls divide. Until next time, God bless you.